This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. Welcome back everyone and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Orange Podcast. This is Ellie Bryce. This week, the amount of water in Orange's dams continued to grow, but we wouldn't be anywhere near this level of improvement if it wasn't for stormwater harvesting and the Macquarie Pipeline. More on that later. But first, plans to build a key piece of infrastructure are back on Council's agenda following a funding announcement this week. The Federal Government are chipping in $2 million for the budget to build a new rail bridge out at Forest Road. But the plans are a little different this time, and it won't replace the landmark Dog League bridge that's there now. Alan Reader has more. Of Orange's collection of rail overpass bridges, this one's surely the most quirky. I'm here at the the Forest Road Rail Overbridge, a bridge that turns a dog leg across, right across the railway tracks in the middle of what's otherwise a very straight street. Why is it built that way? Well, it was built many years ago to be on the intersection of two major railway lines. Where two railway lines come together, there's a large triangle and the bridge goes over at the narrowest section instead of the widest section. That makes sense, I guess. And Orange City Council is about to replace it and build a new one. But why not uh, build it at the wider section? There's good engineering reasons why. To find out some more, Technical Services Director Ian Greenham. We're very pleased to have this back on the agenda. We've been um, looking for different avenues for additional funding and under the heavy under the um, round five of the Bridges Renewal Program and our local members support it, Mr Andrew G. It's fantastic to have this $2 million investment in the bridge for... Um, for the City of Orange. You're still chasing some more money from the State Government? We are. We also have, um, and thank you to the State Government, we've, we've held their funding over under Restart for New South Wales. Um, they've already committed $1.25 million to the project. Um, the total project cost is estimated to be over $5 million. Um, so we're looking, looking for another $1.5 million there, a maximum of half, half the um, project costs and um, then council will kick the bucket for the re- remainder of the works. Long-term residents will remember Orange City Council tried to build this about four or five years ago and it didn't happen. What's going to be different this time? This time we've secured additional funding for the works, so um, we've got the, we think we've got the numbers right. Um, we've also got alternate routes to that end of the CBD, that, uh, that end of the city, I should say, to that health precinct with um, the opening up of the Southern Feeder Road and the rail bridge there running back into the Mitchell Highway. We will deliberately postpone these works on the bridge until that um, this next section from the existing recently finished bridge works through to the Mitchell Highway is also upgraded, and that'll provide alternate routes around this work. So last time round, we were, we were looking at doing this work under traffic. Um, the intention this next time round is to, to take traffic off it, which will also minimise some of our costing. As I understand it last time, because there weren't any alternative routes around there, the, the plan was to build one side, on one side of the construction site while leaving the traffic running through the other. That must have been, that must have been it, it, the project was going to take longer 
this time if you can close it all off, will it be quicker to build? Yeah, potentially it should be quicker to build. It should be done in, um, shouldn't need too many stages as, as far as um, time works goes. It'll be a similar time frame because you've still got to build a bridge, of course, but the tie-in works will be far quicker than what was originally planned. One of the questions that comes up at this time is it's still going to be a strange dog leg. Uh, why not build a straight bridge in line with Forest Road? What's the technical challenge that stops that happening? Well, we have um, we have some existing infrastructure in there, so some existing built infrastructure that one of our art societies lease at the moment and operate out of. So that would be one obstacle. But the other one is the the bridges in where it is at the moment because there is a um, a, a widespread of the line. So there is it's called East Fork for a reason, and there's. Um, there's two lines that run, two railway lines that run under the existing bridge. They come to a narrowing point where it's located at the moment. And if we were to run a straight line between Peasley Street and Forest Road, they would be at almost their widest section. So in that case, we'd require two new bridges to be constructed, um, full width, um, double double width, and at a much higher expense. So you probably and you'd also be demolishing the existing building that's there as well. So you'd lose that infrastructure and that um, that facility for the arts community. You'd possibly also um, jeopardise the use of that turning circle that's there at the moment for the um, that's now disused, but it um, could potentially be reused for um, maintenance of, of rolling stock in the future. Where the bridge is going to be located is the right spot. Currently, if I'm driving a school bus and a semi-trailer comes at me in the opposite direction, it's not possible for those two vehicles to pass on the current bridge. Will it be? How will that be better under the, the new setup? Under the new setup, they'll have a separate bridge each. So there will be a bridge for the northbound traffic and a bridge for the southbound traffic. Yes, there's still the dog leg, but it will be, be much safer. At the moment, it's certainly tight through there. You could possibly squeeze through, but it'd be at low speed. And I am aware that there has been times where a bus and a truck have met together and there has been some damage to those vehicles as they've passed each other. Long term, the main impact, I guess, is going to be for safety and particularly in the parallel road there, Anson Street, where there's a a high school, a special school and and a primary school. Once that that project's finished, that'll take a lot of traffic off Anson Street. It should take some of the traffic that's currently on Anson Street. Anson Street, as you say, with those three schools, will still always be a, um, a main generator of traffic through the city. Um, and But with the a, um, a double bridge over the railway line on, on the Peasley Street Forest Road entrance, that'll make that run a whole lot smoother than what it currently is. Yeah, you will see some traffic deflected back onto that while it's not being discussed today but the southern feeder road stage four linking up into woodward street will also take a lot of traffic off um, anson street in the future ian greenham there talking with alan reader it's not something that gets talked about much publicly in the middle of a drought but it's clear the challenge of managing the city's water use does take a personal toll on the council staff that do that work but on the flip side of that In the hours after our city's water storage hit 60%, there was a real sense of excitement amongst the city's water engineers. Nicole Taylor caught up with water manager Wayne Beattie, who can't stop grinning from ear to ear. We've just hit 60% total combined storage. You were pretty excited about that, given um, you've had a pretty stressful job over the last 18 months or so. How do you feel? 
a lot better, a lot more relieved, Nicole, which is, which is great. You know, this time last year, we were heading on a downwards spiral, I suppose you'd call it. You know, we were around about, uh, I think it was around about 30% uh, this time last year. So in comparison, we're at 60%, like you said, and heading upwards, which is, which is great. I suppose at the end of the day, we're at 60%. You know, we've still got a, an obligation as a community, I think, to be conservative with our water and what, how we use our water. We, we were down around that 120, 130 litres per person per day, which is absolutely unbelievable. So easily hitting uh, our level five targets. So I'm sure people will take advantage of the fact that, um, you know, you can hold a, a hose now on, on your gardens for a few hours of an evening or a morning and, and that's great and, and, and Orange Council wants to reward the community on, on that. 60%. I mean, a lot of people would look at that and go, oh, it's still only just above half empty. What does 60% mean? Is that quite a lot of water from what we've normally been used to? Yeah, so 60%, um, you could imagine we've got a total storage of around about 20-odd thousand megalitres. So 60% of that is, is what, about 12,000 megalitres. So we use about between th- anything between three and 4,000 megalitres a year. So probably safely say that that's, that's two years' supply. That's assuming there's no runoff coming into our storages at all. Jeez, two years' supply, given we were looking at two months... We had it. We were in a situation there where the the storages were quite low, and a couple of months worth of storage is pretty pretty scary. How scary would it have been if we didn't have our stormwater harvesting scheme in place, coupled with the Macquarie to Orange pipeline? We probably would still be in level four water restrictions rather than going into level level two. So that gives you an idea of of where we could have been. We could have been. During the dry months uh, in in summer last year, we could have been as low into level six water restrictions had we not had those two projects up and operating. So credit to council for for doing all that that body of work uh, at the end of the and during the millennium drought. And it's really that diversified supply, I suppose, has allowed us to, to, to get through the hard times. And credit to the community for doing so well on their water use over the time. Now, I want to talk to you a bit about the difference between the Orange catchment and, say, the Bathurst catchment. We saw in the news a couple of weeks ago that the Chifley Dam was well and truly overflowing, and we're only at 60%. So can you explain the difference there? The prime difference is that uh, the the Bathurst catchment, so the size of the catchment, it's around about five, five and a half times larger than the Orange catchment or the catchment of Sumer Park Dam. So obviously there's more water falls on that catchment because it's much larger. So therefore the dam can can fill up a lot a lot quicker. And, and they're indeed Chifley Dam's only about the same size as Sumer Park Dam, um, maybe a little bit bigger. So the fact that it's still the same size dam and a much larger catchment, obviously it's going to fill quicker. We always refer to combined total storage. So we're looking at Spring Creek Dam and Sumer Park Dam, but they're two separate dams. So how does that work? Okay, uh, Sumer Park Dam is downstream of Spring Creek Dam, so uh, which is subsequently downstream of Gosling Creek Dam. So all three dams cascade into, into one another. So when Gosling Creek Dam fills, it then flows down, cascades into Spring Creek Dam, and when it fills, it then cascades down into 
into Suma Park Dam. So each storage is within the same catchment, which is around about 180 square kilometres in, in, in area, and, and one flows into the nets. So essentially we've got one big dam, uh, but separated into three, three smaller dams. Why can't we just make Suma Park Dam bigger? Why would that not give us more water? It's got to fill. Um, you've only got a certain size catchment. It only rains on that catchment. We have around about 900 millimetres average per annum here in Orange. If you, fill, if you make a dam bigger, it's only going to fill to the same, same amount. You know, if I put 10 metres extra, extra height onto that dam wall, it certainly won't fill. Do you feel really relieved now that we're at 60%? Yep, I do. I do. Uh, it's good, all good for this summer, which is, which is great. Orange community has done exceptionally well over the last 12 or 18 months. And, and we, yeah, we'd just like, like that to continue going, going into the future, I suppose, and, and prolong or make our storages last, last that, that bit longer because of reduced water use. Water manager Wayne Beattie there speaking with Nicole Taylor. Now for a wrap of the week, he's acting CEO Ian Greenham. It's been a great week. We've had started the week with a little bit of snow there um, on Friday night, Saturday morning, and um, wrap up of the rugby finals on the weekend as well were tremendous. Um, with emus taking out um, four premierships with the under 14s, under 16s, under 18s, and the open men's team, and also a great wrap to city rugby as well um, that have sort of come up from from Wooden Spoon over the last couple of years to be actual grand finalists. So that's a tremendous effort for those guys as well and great to see a local derby here in Orange. Moving on from the rugby and the weather, I guess um, we've got a reprieve this weekend for the long weekend with some fine weather coming up. Um, we've had some money announced for, for a new bridge over the, um, over the Peasley Street um, East Fork Bridge. And we've also had some... Um, welcome inflows into into our dam storages and we've um, relaxed to level two water restrictions. What, what we've got at the moment is a situation where we've got a, a dam filling. Um, it's not just just peaked over, it will continue to fill um, and the current forecasts are for more regular rainfalls and um, possibly even a La Nina effect where we'll see those catchments filling much quicker in the future. So I think at the moment it's prudent to be relaxing back to level two water restrictions. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone, what we said as a level two restriction, is um, doesn't necessarily mean that you you don't save water under those under those restrictions. And you want to manage the amount of water you do use. Um, it will help you in in the long run as far as we have water usage charges. So the less water you use, the the cheaper it is for you. When, when your water rates come around as well. So um, there's no dramas there if people want to use less water um, under a level two restriction. We're talking about maximum use, not minimum use. Yeah, we've, we're looking closely at the Victorian example where they have permanent water saving rules and, and we feel that most of our level two restrictions fit under that same sort of scenario and, and could be something that we, we look at and we've, we've already um, prompted council that we'll, um, we'll have a report coming back to them along that line. The Victorian model allows a little more flexibility around some items, a little bit tighter around others, but we'll, we'll look to um, gain support through the council chambers on, on what we feel is, is appropriate for our city.
Thanks for tuning into the show this week. Don't forget to subscribe where you get your podcasts. Talk to you all next time. Bye now.